Coming up, Shohei Otani, Los Angeles Dodgers, $700 million. Also, our thoughts on other deals throughout MLB and some predictions for what deals might come next. All that and more right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Episode 119. Alex and I are coming to you. It is December 13th, Wednesday night. AJ, well, we guess we could break the the, the viewers, the listeners, uh, the big news that has happened over the last week. Uh, our our heart and soul has been yanked from our bodies. Uh, Shohei Otani, of course, the big item on the free agent market, has officially signed with the team. He will be spending the next 10 seasons with the Los Angeles Dodgers on a $700 million deal. Just a just a small $700 million deal, you know? I mean, as, as we break down the deal, and we'll go over that in the uh, later on in the episode, what the deal looks like for the next 10 years and onward. But thoughts, reactions, what uh, what do you what do you make of that deal? What do you make of the Dodgers just pulling the trigger on the largest the largest offer and deal in, in it looks like I think sports history. Uh, what, what what do you make so far of uh, since we are a couple of days after the signing? Yeah, the aftermath, Travis, it's really just been learning more information about the uniqueness of the contract. Um, I'm sure everyone has heard by now about the deferral situation and how there is on, there's going to be uh, $2 million paid to Otani uh, per season uh, for the next decade, and then it will be um gosh it just feels crazy to say like 68 million a year for the decade following for 10 years he's the next Bobby and, Bonilla but and you and, know, and that's gonna be more. uh there's so many unique um financial kind of components to the that conversation that we'll get into in just a minute here but just to get off like the baseball side of things or just to like focus on the baseball fan reaction when that deal uh, got announced Travis um, I was pretty shocked and not because he picked the Dodgers because it does make sense um, with what we know about Shohei. Uh, he likes the West Coast. He likes SoCal. He liked living um, where he lived when he was an angel. He doesn't really have to move to be a Dodger. And we know that he wants to win World Series championships. He wants to compete for World Series championships. And the Dodgers are a team that have proven uh, sustainable postseason path you know for almost a decade straight now so it makes good sense why uh, he would pick them over other suitors but the thing that did surprise me was the dollar amount Um, and there are some unique uh, components of that 700 million dollar figure that we'll get into but um, just seeing it at first glance you're just like that that says 700 million, right? Like, am I, are my eyes okay? Yeah, it, it actually did say that on the Jeff Passan tweet on, um, you know, I, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty outrageous figure. Um, but it is deserved with all the marketing he brings to the table. But Travis, I saw, uh, I heard about different estimations about what he might uh, earn 
before the deal was announced. And a lot of people were saying somewhere in like the 450 to $500 million range. And it turns out that, you know, I'm not an economist, Travis. I'm not a, I'm not a finance guy, but what I have read, um, as I've tried to learn as much as I can about the deal is that essentially the way this works and the way that future money can be compared in value to current day money because there's going to be inflation, you know, that as time goes on, I'm trying to think about, think about what you could buy with, uh, you know, a hundred bucks, 10 years ago versus a hundred bucks right now. Like there's the way, the way the, the money market kind of changes and evolves. Um, people have determined that basically, the way that the contract is structured in terms of present dollars, the 700 million actually equates to somewhere around 450 million present dollars. Um, so obviously, what does that mean? Uh, it might, I, I'm not going to even try to explain it because I don't fully understand it myself. But um, I think it's just interesting to know that the way the deferral system works, Otani still will be receiving 700 million in the in the bank when it's all said and done. But the the nature of the um, the defer the deferments uh, that just you can do some math to calculate how much that money in in twenty forty is gonna be worth in twenty twenty three dollars, mm-hmm. and it's actually closer to like four hundred and fifty million dollar deal, which would still set a record, which is crazy because. Um, I was wondering how the injury to his arm, to his elbow, at the end of the 2023 season would affect his market. Obviously, it probably played some effect, but it didn't give a team like the Dodgers any pause. I was a little bit skeptical that the Dodgers would pony up and offer all that money just because I feel like they like to play... I wouldn't say they play it safe, but they play it smart. They don't, uh, they don't you know, offer DeGrom... Uh, you know, seven-year deal or six-year deal like like, like the Rangers. Mm-hmm. They kind of are aware of, you know, injury potential. They're aware of the aging curve. The two huge uh, long-term contracts on their team are in uh, the likes of Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, who are both, in my mind, are some guys who will age very, very well. They don't rely on, like, prime strength. They have good contact and good pop that I think will age well. Um, you know, they're able to kind of handle their position defensively. They're both, you know, in good shape for their age. I think that they're just two good bets long-term. Whereas Otani Travis, as much as I like him, you know, if he has trouble getting back to being the pitcher he was after his second Tommy John, there is a chance that, you know, we don't really see that Cy Young caliber pitcher again. I certainly hope we do just for the sake of baseball um, and you know, the sake of his career. Um, I, even though he, he left my team, I still, um, I still love his play. I do think that um, there is this question mark with him, but I think that question mark gets quickly pushed aside when you think about the other financial components. <clears throat> Travis, I read today that he broke the record for the, I think, the most jersey sales in the first 48 hours of uh, any player. I think it broke Messi with Inter-Miami. Inter so yep. we're talking about not just baseball here. We're talking about, in general, one of the hottest-selling jerseys of all time. And uh, that's already showing how the Dodgers are going to profit off of this deal. And obviously, it doesn't end there. You're going to be able to charge more for tickets when he starts. You're going to be able to bring in a whole new market of Japanese viewers, Japanese media. There's going to be more sponsorship opportunities. 
And there's going to be more chances to make the playoffs, more chances to probably uh, compete for World Series titles. All of that generates more revenue for your team. They want to be kind of a dynasty. They say they're not even done. They already have met with um, Yamamoto. I heard today that there was a meeting um, that featured Otani, Betts, and Freeman all making a pitch to Yamamoto. I don't know how you could get that much more of a compelling group, you know? I mean, you're talking about yeah. uh, two guys that were in an MVP race and then another guy who won an MVP himself who is the face of the sport and an icon in your home uh, country. I mean, I'm not sure how else you could convince him. I think if he doesn't pick the Dodgers, it's because someone else either offered an insane amount or he just didn't want to maybe be in Otani's shadow. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. But I, I, don't, I don't know that much about his personality, but... Travis, um, I, I think that there are other interesting parts of this contract I want to kind of talk about. So I'm going to float an idea at you, and you tell me if you think it's likely or unlikely. Um, basically, Otani having this $68 million a year, basically $680 million will be given to him after the 10 years of his contract are up. Do you think it's at all possible that the nature of this contract, one— Obviously, there's a tax incentive that people are talking about where he could move out of California and not have to pay, you know, whatever it would be, 50% of his income in taxes. Um, So he'd be making a lot more money if he just uh, received those payments after moving. But that being said, there's another component to this that I've heard just, you know, nothing, nothing credible, just just kind of speculation. Do you think it's possible that he could have some sort of deal to possibly get some percentage of ownership after he is done playing for the Dodgers because that $680 million he's going to be owed, he can kind of convert that into him paying for whatever percentage that would cover for the team. So he could own like, I don't know, 10, 20% of the team, something mm-hmm. like that yep. um, from that money. And then you look at the other um, the other factor here is that he it was announced today if – the Dodgers general manager or president of operations, um, Friedman, or if the uh, the acting owner of the team, if either of them lose their positions over the course of the deal, Otani can opt out. And to me, the only thing that really makes sense about that is like, why would he protect their jobs? Maybe it's because they have like this handshake deal about a potential ownership opportunity in the future. And if they leave, um, he might be worried that opportunity could go out the window and he might then um, want to readjust the structure of the contract. Yep. But do you have any thoughts about that? Do you think that's kind of a wild conspiracy theory? Do you think there's something to that? It definitely something to that, Alex. I, I mean, you got to think there there is some advantage of holding on or holding off for this large amount of money till the end of that contract. You know, I know a lot of people are saying, you know, he wants to be a team player and he wants to be able to help the Dodgers. I think there's a definitely a good case for that. He wants the Dodgers to keep spending. He wants them to keep on going out and getting the best players in the world to add to this roster so that they can definitely increase their chances to win a World Series or uh, many World Series over the course of the uh, of the contract. But also, I think you're, you're right about the, the the you know the whole tax incentive. Of, of course, I I'm, I'm not going to get too much into that. I don't know exactly what the percentages are, what the percentages may be in ten years. But, uh, you know, also it could be a case where, hey, maybe he moves back to Japan. Maybe he moves to another state in uh, in the U.S. and then has to basically not have to pay as much taxes as he would in California. So there's a lot of things, things that I think you could uh, you could speculate about. Also, the ownership is definitely an intriguing one as well. But I wonder what the what the Dodgers will be worth after the end of the contract. Um, 
you know, with with the Dodgers winning, you know, many World Series during this 10 years, uh, it could be worth a lot more. And then you could be looking at, hey, maybe that 680 million is only 10 percent than it was then, you know, before maybe now it, it would be worth 20 percent. But um, I think there's a lot of different things you could look at. But Alex, one thing I wanted to uh, uh, back you up or at least uh, um, um reiterate what you mentioned is the you know what's what's the money look like today versus what's it going to look like in 20 years you know 10 years ago alex roughly 10 years ago Albert Pujols signed with the angels for i think it was like 10 years 275 mil the baseball world me you everybody we were just so in shock about you know wow like this guy got this much money 10 years this is a mega deal this is a this is this is the, one of the biggest in sports and we were just so amazed by it. And it's just so funny now that if someone got a two, 10 year, $275 million deal, which I think what was what Xander Bogarts got last offseason, right. you're kind of looking at it as like, oh, wow, like a B plus all star type player is getting paid like a pretty good deal. Like, yeah, we all know he's getting overpaid, but it's it's not looked at as like, wow, this is a mega deal. So one thing I always wonder and look at is in, in 20 years, Alex, I mean, $68 million a season will probably be a normal thing. It definitely could be in terms of other like all-star players garnering that really high level of of AAV. Yeah. Um. I really wonder what the what the limit what we're gonna see. I know that I I, it's not quite the same in baseball and basketball because basketball there's like these maxes right where yep. I know in the NBA like certain players will just make as much as they can per year. Like there's like a a threshold and it keeps growing as um, every year. And as like, there's a new uh, CBA, the the amount that players can make can go up and up. So um, I, I, I think that, you know, as, as the sport evolves and grows, the amount that players will make will only increase as the value of the industry only increases. Um, obviously the different rights deals will will play a role in that. And I wonder, Travis, how the uh, next CBA will look if there's going to be another lockout just because, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe the uh, league, I think some of the owners, Travis, who are not the high, high spenders, they might want to look, look at this and say, hey, I don't know if we want you big teams constructing these deals where you're not paying them that much at the beginning yes and you can kind of stretch things out long term they probably have a problem with that even though in the current cba travis i saw um, a screenshot there's a very clear paragraph where it just says point blank there is no way that a deferment like of any kind on a contract can be viewed as like um avoiding competitive balance like that is Mm -hmm. deferring money in your contract is completely legal no matter what um, another interesting point that I wanted to bring up is that he is only getting two million a year for the course of the contract for the ten years on the deal. Which taxes in California, you're probably looking at one point one, one point two mil. You know, it, 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 that's the big surprise is that in Los Angeles, that's not a lot of money. <laughs> right, and 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 the thing is, the thing that helps him is. Last year in arbitration, he and the Angels agreed on thirty million. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he also so that just that just over the course of one year last year, um, he made of course uh, millions before that as well. And then there's the whole other component of the sponsorships and yeah. everything else. You know, New um, Balance is giving him hundreds of millions of dollars for yeah. being their main figure. Yeah, so, that, yeah, we got now commercial. We see it all the time on TV here in Southern California. But um, the interesting component is this, and not everyone might know this. He's getting $2 million a year each year for the next decade while as a Dodger. But I believe each season, the amount that gets counted towards the Dodgers' 
competitive balance tax in terms of like that 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 uh, that salary cap, yep. however you want to put it, um, is around forty five million. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's only two million that goes towards their. Their, um, their like balance sheet or right, or right. Their, their accounting yeah accounting balance yeah when you're when you're trying to figure out how much can the daughters afford before they get to like that first um, tier where there's all these penalties where you're paying an extra tax and there's like that second tier where you're paying an even steeper really steep tax um, essentially Otani counts to about forty five million dollars towards that when i think usually teams like the yankees right now are, are hovering around like 300 million dollars would probably be in that 300 million ballpark so you're still paying uh you're still counting otani as 45 million for that so it is a big the deferment does help in a big way because you're not paying 70 million towards that but it's not like you're just paying 2 million towards that either so it's kind of an intricacy that i read about that um it, i think it's a good way to balance things because imagine if Imagine, let's just say like, Travis, imagine like Joey Votto right now just said like, hey, yeah, pay me $1 this year and then you can just pay me like $10 million after I retire next year. And you know that 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 shouldn't be allowed. Like it, it or, or yeah, at least at least not. Yeah. Th- th- that can be allowed, but it, it shouldn't be like only one dollar for this year counts towards the competitive balance. The percentage of it should you, should still be counted. Yeah, sh- yeah, should be counted towards the team's payroll when you're when you're factoring in the you know because then you get a situation where like all these players will all agree to do the same thing and like join forces on a super team you know and yes yeah. and you don't want that but the dodgers are able to um be financially smart and savvy and still build out this really um spectacular roster uh because and, and, that, and a big part of that is because they've developed some of their own talent and they've made smart deals with Betts and freeman that are guys who feel like they're going to be able to sustain their success but Definitely. Um, and Alex, one thing I'll mention too, you know, we look at, you know, I go back to our, our pool still, that was roughly 10 years ago. And it's funny, you go back to, you know, almost 20, 25 years ago, the first hundred million dollar contract was back in 1998. And that was Kevin Brown, who signed with the Dodgers, they gave him a seven year $105 million contract. And you know, back in 98, that's looked at as like, wow, like nobody is worth $100 million. Like you're talking about, um, I mean, I mean that, yeah, a hundred plus million dollars. That's something that the brokers on wall street make, you know, no sports star should make that kind of money, but they started of course, giving away that kind of money because of the attraction and the, uh, the entertainment value. But it's just funny that you look at that and that was roughly 20 years ago. And then you, we, we, as you know, fans and, and, uh, you know, people that just enjoy to watch sports in general, what, what will deals look like in 20 years from now? You know, like I mentioned earlier, $68 million, that'll be a normal deal, I think, in AAV terms. You know, I think you're going to start seeing more pitchers and more uh, impactful players start to get these, you know, 40, 45, $50 million deals as a regular for the next five years or over the course of the next five years. And then after that, I think you're going to start looking even at at some, you know, just some atrocious contracts where you can really be like, wow, like, you know, some guy's getting you know, $500 million on an, on an eight year contract or something like that. But it, it just kind of puts things into perspective that 20, you know, about 20 years ago, a hundred million dollars was the first ever. And now we're looking at $700 million 20 years later. I mean, in 20 years, Alex, you're probably looking at a billion dollar contract. Billions, you, yeah. you, you, you probably could be looking at a, Hey, you know, it, it'll probably happen in some sports like basketball or, you know, I, I don't know about football, but you're probably looking at, Hey, 
we're going to give you $1.1 billion for 13 years. We want you for the rest of your, basically your life. Beckham if, Trout, you have big <laughs> shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, hey, you know, but it, but it's also interesting too is that you got teams like the Atlanta Braves, and I know there's some other teams out there that are giving Ronald Acuna Jr. $13 million a season or whatever the AAV is on Acuna deal, Acuna's deal or the Dimebacks who gave um, Corbin Corbin Carroll. I forget that that's roughly around $12 million a season. So you got teams now that are saying, you know what, let's, let's not fall into this Dodgers trap. The Dodgers can spend all the money they want and you know what, that's cool, but we want to get this young talent locked up, secured right away. They're off to extremely successful MLB careers. Let's get this money uh, going right now. And, and then we won't have to pay them, you know, as much or after the deal is up at the age of 29 or 30, then they can go out there and get their Shohei Otani deal. But right now let's lock up these guys for very team friendly contracts, but it's uh it truly is going to be uh, something to look at. You know, I, of course, you know, 10, 20 years, Alex, that's, that's a long ways from now, but it'll be, it'll be really interesting to look at after the 10 years is up. Then, of course, you look at the Dodgers and you say, man, OK, you know, what's the situation going to be like in L.A.? Will they be trying to rebuild? Will they be a team that is still heavily successful and still running the National League West? Uh, again, one team that I feel bad for is, I mean, RIP to the Colorado Rockies. I, I, if you're a Rockies fan right now, Alex, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, I, I don't I you just look around the division. And you're just you looking around like, oh, the you know, the the Giants still are adding to be a good team so the Giants are a team that still is I, I think the Giants are extremely pissed off right now and they're probably going to start almost rage spending as well because they got to save themselves if we don't do anything we're we're easily looking at a third or fourth place finish in this division and then you have the Diamondbacks fresh off of it and National League pennant win and then the Padres who you know I know the big move with Soto just happened you know earlier of last week but the, the Padres are still a team Alex that we can all say could easily win this division um with with the amount of talent they have as well but uh it, it's 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 interesting it's it's fun to look at I, I was blown away by the money but i knew it was going to be that kind of money and uh it, it's just interesting that the dodgers went above and beyond that a lot of other teams uh wanted to yeah and and we can talk about some of those other teams just to kind of get a good sense of you know what kind of led up to this whole situation and I have to ask this question, Travis. I mean, so there was this whole Toronto Blue Jays saga. We won't really get yes, into that, but he's in um, route to Toronto right now. Yeah, it ended up being the guy from Shark Tank, but um, <laughs> you know, John Wayne Airport uh, screwing people up. But um, basically, Travis, we have heard the Giants, um, Farhan Zaidi. Um, I, I might be butchering his name, but he's like the general manager for the Giants, and he's pretty much come out and said outright that. Um, the Otani camp made it clear the direction they wanted the contract to look like, and it was the heavy deferments um, to help his team compete, and it was the you know huge sum of seven hundred million, and the Giants basically agreed with that. Um, Otani didn't. It wasn't like it wasn't like they shook hands or anything, but like they said like we you know we will comply with that vision, and Otani ended up picking the Dodgers instead. So it makes me. Uh, believe that Otani pretty much probably took this offer to all his suitors and said this is what we're looking for and then he probably depending on how those teams responded um, was gonna basically control the destiny of of where he was gonna end up but um, Travis just because the Angels are the team that is losing Otani we should just talk about them kind of briefly and you know, people have been saying for a while now like if the Angels lose Otani for nothing you know this and that and and, and whatever else 
Um, let's just put it this way. Whoever uh, we pick in the second round with the comp pick, Travis, in this upcoming draft, um, you know, a little bit of pressure. You know, everyone, everyone, <laughs> everyone will look at you just being like, this is the guy the Angels got in return for Otani, the Dodgers second round pick. So we will see what that does look like. But, 100 war player. That's all yeah. I can tell you right there. Yeah. Future yeah. Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. but Travis, um, interesting, interesting questions. A couple things um, on the Angels front. Um, I'll just say this. You can blame. Um, you, you can go in many different ways with, with the blame in regards to how this was able to unfold. I think the bottom line is that um, there's not a winning culture established throughout, you know, leading up to and throughout Otani's time with the Angels. And that's a direct result of, of Artie Moreno inability to, um, you know, invest in the miners to really build a foundation. Um, the, the things that the Dodgers do better than the Angels, Travis, it's not the spending. I mean, they do spend a bit more on average, but... It, there are many teams who spend a lot less that have shown more success than the Angels. It has to do with how the money is spent um, and and where the the where the resources are invested. And um, there's a lack of investment when it comes to the Angels. And I, I really, you know, Travis, as as much as I am a ride or die Angels fan, you know, no matter who leaves the team, I'm not gonna jump ship. I, I still have to be honest and just say, you know, we, you know. I think we did a lot to help Otani become the guy he is. We gave him free reign with his own processes. I think a lot of teams might have tried to force him away from pitching after he had three years where he couldn't stay healthy as a pitcher for the Angels. But that being said, even though I think we did a lot to help him kind of realize his potential in the MLB in America, I still think that we did a lot of um, you know negatives that – um, had a huge impact in in his decision this offseason. If the Angels had just either had a more stable uh, a more stable base of of young talent, or if they had <sighs> if they had more um, MLB talent that was returning, maybe if they had a couple wild card appearances in the last couple seasons, there'd be a much greater chance that he would have stayed. And and the reason why the Angels didn't reach those heights in the last couple seasons, in my mind, is is a result of the system uh, that. Artie Moreno has kind of implemented and it's it's the reason why I put it all on the owner is just because it's outlasted any GM Travis we've had problems with the previous GMs and the current GM and we kind of realized hey like there's a there's a there's a, there's a constant here right it's not you know we can get mad about some deal that like the GMs from three from 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 like seven eight years ago made but in reality uh, I think the common denominator is is the guy who is, is meddling with those GMs um, I feel like the fact that Artie Moreno was going to sell the team and right before Otani's final season as an angel and then said, we're going to run it back with unfinished business. I think the way this last pretty much like one year, right? Like we thought he was going to sell and then he, within a year he pulls out. Cause that was, that was last year right now. I mean, he was, it was still up for, for sale. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the off season when he said, I'm going to, I'm going to keep the team. That's right. So <laughs> like within the last year, literally it goes from team is not being sold. I think it was like August of that season in 2021 that we all were like hearing, or maybe it was 20, sorry, 22 uh, that we were all hearing the rumors. I think it was, it was, and I know it was in the summer that they, you know, it came out and reports were saying, you know, Artie Moreno was exploring a, a sale. And then we all were saying to ourselves, okay, well, when can this happen? Because if you keep on holding on to this, like you'll probably talk about, it's just going to delay everything. Yeah. And it gets to a point where he says, I'm going to keep the team. Uh, we're going to try to do unfinished business. We're going to try to win now. 
they get some pieces that I did like um, for many reasons. I think the Angels team last year, opening day roster, I think it was very competitive, if I'm being 100% honest. Um, I know that I have a blind spot probably for my own team, but I just do think that injuries really derailed things. The amount of guys that spent a month plus on the IL, pretty much every contributor outside of a few starting pitchers and Otani missed a month plus. And actually Otani yeah. did miss like a month off injury. So it, it literally, it literally stretches to the entire squad, but, um, Travis. And, that, and, and that's something that, you know, I think a lot of sports fans or at least MLB fans, they don't really know too much about, you know, the average baseball fan I hear all the time, you know, Oh, you know, angels wasted Otani's, you know, time in, in you know, uh, uh, angels wasted Otani's time in Anaheim. Uh, they couldn't do much, you know, they, they just, they, they sucked. But I mean, we know Alex behind the scenes. I mean, I, I just, I don't know if there's another organization that has had this much unluck with the injuries. I mean, you tell me, you tell me this, how many guys run down the first base line and break and, you know, fracture their, 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 their pelvis. pelvis. It or, makes the Urshela injury insane. is just mind boggling. Um, Travis, I think you and I both got really tired of the word of the, the two words strained oblique or um, torn labrum. It was, yeah. Ohapi, <laughs> Ohapi had the torn labrum. I think Adele Neto, um, and others all had like strained obliques. Well, then Odell get hurt in Dodger Stadium, and like we, it was, he just came out of the game, it, and we never heard from him again that year. It, it, was, it just, was the first series he played with the team this year. And I don't even got, know if Taylor Ward's alive right now. Ward got beaned in the face. I mean, Solseth got beaned by his own teammate on a ball and play. <laughs> um, and and the, the list goes on with kind of you know circus type injuries, just wild card injuries. But um, all that is just to say, I do think that. The Angels' attempt to win last year was in good faith and a good effort, but the results show that we did not get it done. And that being said, Otani has every right to leave, and I really can't blame him too much for that. I mean, some Angel fans will have bad blood because they don't like the Dodgers. We don't like the Dodgers, Travis, if we're being honest. But um, it comes down to the simple fact that I think he earned the right. I mean, he obviously earned the right to uh, do exactly what he wanted in the offseason, and I think he is showing the world what is capable from a free agent in the offseason it does remind me of quite a bit of lebron's lebron's decision to go from cleveland to miami where everyone was like it was the first time we really saw a free agent like i'm gonna do exactly what i want to do yeah and and i don't really care what you know this person's saying or the media like i'm gonna go where i want to go where i think i have the best chance to win right here right now and it's uh, looking like a great setup for the dodgers but Charles, i just think it's a really big exclamation point on Artie moreno's legacy where you're just kind of saying hey you could have sold the team at a higher value it's definitely worth worth less today than it was a year ago today i mean i'm not i'm not a finance guy like i said i don't know that for sure but i think just having otani on contract um, was a huge pull that another it gives another owner this kind of optimism of yeah. like and, of like I can I can resign this guy if we win this year and the hundreds of millions of sponsorships that just automatically now are are gone and and do you look at season ticket sales and how how's that going to drop I mean Travis we would go to Angel Stadium mm-hmm. we would see all the billboards for Japanese advertisements everything yeah all over the place yeah. and a lot of that is no longer going to be those, those are moving uh, up to five to yeah those yeah. are moving up the five freeway to Dodger Stadium and and it's it's definitely I I. I would have to think and and see that it is uh, a, a less valued team than it was uh, six months ago or eight months ago. But yeah, I, I think uh, I think that's hundred percent true. I, I, I want to bring up one last conversation before I move on here. Um, we talked about it a bit over text um, or maybe DMs, and and 
you know, Ben Verlander had this whole video. I don't want to get into him, you know, <laughs> have fun Dodger fans, uh, uh, with the Ben Verlander content, you know, he loves Shohei. So, uh, you're gonna have to get used to he's him. He's not a baseball fan. He's just a Shohei fan. And, and sometimes it's just, it's, it's too over the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I, I want to, he, he made this whole thing about how Otani will be in the hall of fame as a Dodger. He said that, um, he'd made a Babe Ruth comp with yeah. the Red Sox and the Yankees and how we remember Ruth as a Yankee. And you and I both know where each other stand on that because what Ruth did with the Red Sox was great. He was a really good pitcher. What Otani did with the Angels is not even close to comparable. It is the three. It is possibly the best three. It is most likely the best three, three yeah. straight seasons we've ever had, at least from a non-steroid player. Um, but definitely just in terms of the remarkableness of the feat, um, you know. Sorry, Dodger fans. I hope that Otani comes back to full strength because um, he can continue adding to the record books. But I'm, you and I are both not so sure we'll see a three-year stretch like that again. But give me your thoughts on the whole Babe Ruth thing and about how you know his career could be remembered as an Angel or a Dodger. Do you think it's a lock that you know when Hall of Fame time comes around, let's assume that he plays a full career, you know, the full ten years with the Dodgers. Is there still a chance that he wears a different cap in Cooperstown? I mean, just I mean, and, and I'm not really focusing on that so much as just like how does the whole legacy conversation? Yeah, go from here? yeah, I I will agree with you 100 percent that you look at from 2021 to 2023. I don't think Shohei will have a three year stretch like that in Dodger blue ever. I think that he's had his best seasons as an Angel in his career. And I think with the Dodgers, of course, next year, he'll be just a DH only. After that, of course, we're going to have to see what kind of player he becomes. Will he be a DH? And also, is he going to be a starting pitcher? Will the Dodgers say, you know what? Maybe it's time you go to the bullpen and you become our closer. You know, these are questions that you could be asking and they're going to have to ask if he cannot uh if he can't just go out there and be a, you know, the routine starting pitcher that he was for the seasons with the angels. But it's, um, it's definitely funny that, you know, with, with Verlander saying, you know, we remember Ruth as a, as a Yankee. Well, of course we remember Ruth as a Yankee because he was, he hit 60, what 61 home runs and he had the best offensive performances as a Yankee. So I just think that it it was, it was kind of stupid to say now, Going to the Hall of Fame, Alex, if he wins a couple of championships with the Dodgers, yeah, I, I definitely think he would go into the Hall of Fame wearing uh, wearing a, a, a Dodger blue. I also think that sh- just the way that Shohei is, just his personality, Alex, I could definitely see him – I could definitely have him – or see him – going in without a cap and saying I was an angel and a Dodger. Right. Because I just feel like he has the respect for both organizations because he can't he, – he really can't hate on the uh, – on the on the angels because he can say hey they were the team that gave me the shot they're the reason why i made 700 million dollars because other organizations were only going to make let me hit or only let me pitch but the angels gave me the shot to do that so i have to give them so much credit as to what has transpired into my career and why i've gained so much money is because of Artie moreno and anaheim giving me that opportunity to become that two-way superstar but i i definitely uh it's it's funny seeing those kind of clips from ben because it, it just it simply is not true i mean like i mentioned we don't know what's going to happen with him in dodger blue he could trade you know the individual stats alex for you know world series championships he could be a guy that you know still does hit 40 home runs as a dh but pitching maybe in two years or three years alex we see him playing right field maybe we see him playing a position instead of if, instead of pitching so the uh the war could go down in uh in in the season totals but 
you know, it's it's I think it's still a lot to be determined because of just the uniqueness of his uh, of his play. So I uh, but but I do think the the, the three year stretch we saw in Anaheim, it is going to be something that he probably if I had to bet, he probably will not achieve those marks ever again. I mean, Alex, there was a spot I remember last year with um, God and it was right against the uh, right right before the trade deadline that uh that series we played in detroit and i remember he pitched was it a complete game shutout and the next game it was two home runs and i think yeah. I, I think i said to you we actually recorded that day i think on on the podcast and i said this is probably the greatest like 24 uh, hour span single day yeah 12 hour performance i've ever seen a baseball player and and, and you have to think nobody else has ever topped this kind of performance in a day like what what did his single day war go up to in that day be, with throwing in game one a complete game shutout game two having you know two home runs with i think it was almost like six rbs i think get a double in the game as well so it's like three extra base hits two of them being home runs i mean things like that that i just don't know will ever happen again um in 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 you know the 10 years as a dodger because age will play into effect you know after two tommy johns alex i, I right now there's not too many pitchers that still have a I'd say it, the, the odds are against him for having a successful rest of his career being a starting pitcher. So that's something again you got to look at and how how that will come into play because uh, with with Tommy Johns they just I, I think John Smoltz is one guy that actually had to go to the bullpen after two Tommy Johns and he explained that I think in in an interview one time where uh, after the second one he just kind of had to make that decision to become a, a closing pitcher instead of a starter and he still had a Hall of Fame career as a, as a closer but that might be something that. Otani could be seeing somewhere in the near future and then if you do that Alex you know anything else I, I this is kind of going off track but if you become a closer and a DH are you truly worth that 70 mil well, well here's 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 a, a side note and we'll just we'll just try to uh, put up a, a button on this uh, Otani conversation hopefully on a little bit of a high note but if if the worst comes the worst in regards to his starting pitching ability I think the natural switch move would be he's now a closer if he can close and if he became a closer i think he'd probably become an outfielder as well yeah and i think that his ability to be an impactful outfielder as well as a closer would be just this it'd be like this kind of fun quirky like you know other chapter to his career like he was this starter dh and now he's this outfielder closer i mean it would just kind of show <laughs> it would kind of show fun, yeah. uh the versatility on um on his, I mean, just his his natural ability to to play the the sport of baseball at a different level from every other player, um, and then um, I guess just kind of a, a closing um, thoughts here. I I just feel like um, I I guess I guess the way we can transition out of this is to talk about um, the other moves that had to transpire in order to kind of get this done. Um, so the Dodgers, in order to free up the the roster space for both. Otani and Joe Kelly, they ended up having to trade Victor Gonzalez and uh, Jorbit Vivas for Trey Sweeney. So that's uh, from coming from the Yankees, Trey Sweeney. So I feel like that's an interesting deal where, you know, both sides um, probably are trying to figure out who do we like better. Jorbit Vivas, who I think is uh, probably the better hitter than Sweeney, but I think he's playing second and third base a lot of the time. And then Sweeney is a contact first shortstop is what I read online. But um, Victor Gonzalez going from the uh, 
Dodgers to the Yankees. I think it's a good move for the Yankees, Travis. They have proven, uh, obviously, the Dodgers are great at finding a pitcher's strengths and capitalizing on it. But, I mean, the Yankees, Travis, the last few seasons, they have been absolutely phenomenal at bringing in relievers, figuring out what works for them, and honing it. They did that with Clay Holmes. They turned him in from, like, uh, a really bad ERA reliever, like a, like a almost like a mop-up guy, into a top, you know, almost like all-star caliber closer. And I think they could not necessarily do the same thing with Gonzalez, but I think Gonzalez... Um, he has a high ground ball rate, I read, and uh, a sinker pitcher. I think that the Yankees targeted that for probably a reason. Um, but it's interesting them flipping Sweeney for Vivas, and I'm I'm kind of wondering how that um, will kind of play out. But Travis, let it, let us uh, you know veer away from this whole Otani conversation for the time being. Let's cover some of the other big news um, that's happened so far. I think the next biggest thing that's happened um, is probably the signing of uh, Jung Hoo Lee, hopefully I'm saying that right, um, from the Korean League over to the San Francisco Giants. He was posted, and now he is going to be a Giant. He is currently 25, uh, just turned 25 in August. He's an outfielder. He has the potential to play center field. Uh, we'll see what the defense looks like in the MLB, especially in that uh, Giants ballpark, Travis, that really spacious right center. I wonder if we'll see good defense, poor defense. Definitely will um, be a good chance for him to uh, for us to see what he's kind of made of defensively. Um, but Travis, looking at his offense over the last few seasons in the Korean League, um, it's been quite impressive across the board. Um if we look at just like full seasons, um, in 2023, he didn't play. He only played 86 games. But the few years prior to that, um, he's over a 950 OPS the two years uh, in 2021 and 2022. He has, you know, 36 and 42 doubles. He had 23 homers in 2022. Uh, you know, he definitely is just an all-around ball player. He can steal a few bases. Um, I think that one thing that's really intriguing is the walk rate. He does walk more than he strikes out for the last three, four, five seasons of a Korean baseball. So he's going to have a good eye and good contact. I heard someone make a comp. I think it was Eno Saris made a comp of maybe he could be like a Luis Arise in center field. I'm not sure if that is exactly the best case scenario because I think they're hoping the pop can hang around a little bit, but we'll see what the pop looks like in that ballpark in San Francisco. Um, he might have to be a more of a doubles guy, maybe a triples guy um, in that ballpark, hitting balls off the wall as opposed to hitting them into the bay. But um, he's a lefty, but Travis, any thoughts on that deal? Um, did you, I heard someone say, did you think that um, it was kind of a desperate reaction to not getting Otani or how do you stand with the giants current like trajectory? Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh I think they are looking at it as like, hey, we got to get them the fun in this as well. And uh, let's go out there and get the next, you know, um, Korean phenom and uh, and and get them onto this into, into this team for a, uh, a a decent contract. And, I think it was six years. Six I should, years. I should, I should, I should have, have said, I should have said like that. 100 and what, like 10 mil? Something like that. So, yeah, I think there was a little bit of a desperation in that. But I think also they need to add um, they, they just needed to add uh, more personnel to the team. Did you mention what was his position? He is an outfield, and okay. I, I'm, uh, they're hoping, I'm sure, he plays uh, a good center field defense. We'll yes. see in that okay. outfield, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, I mean, like you said, maybe he just becomes a triples machine guy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, I think it's I think it's a move that they're probably saying, you know what, we missed out on Shohei, now let's get aggressive, let's start getting um, some international 
uh, presence with some of these guys. And, uh, you know, he's the first guy to get get moved. But you wonder, yeah, what else they're going to be doing, because I feel like they have to be uh, they have to be showing some noise now that the uh, they missed out on Otani. I wonder if they go towards uh, Yamamoto and uh, and try to lock him up to that uh, for, for that team as well. But um, I, I do think it is a uh, it is a, a move, a, a rage move, almost as you would say, as to missing out for Otani. Yeah, I think that there is a component of uh, we missed out. Let's make a splash. Um, the Giants, I think, also still have more money to spend. I think they'll be in on other guys, of course. I'm interested to see how they kind of fill out that team because last year they were they were not out of the wild card race till kind of the very end. And it felt like, you know, if they just had a bit more money spent on a few more guys, they definitely could have been in that mix a bit longer. But they're going to be losing guys like Jock Peterson, but they're going to be putting in a bat like Lee here. Yep. So I'm interested to see how that looks. Travis, I guess another interesting deal that went down um, since we last recorded was Tyler O'Neill, who was a Cardinal left fielder, had a really good, I believe, 2021, not as good the last couple seasons, but still showing signs. He is being traded to the Red Sox um, for prospects. And so the here's the way I, I kind of view this. I think there are some people who might not just be too sure about what Tyler O'Neill is going to bring to the table. But in my opinion, I think that, first of all, if you look at just from a Red Sox perspective, even though it's separate deals, they send out <clears throat> Alex Verdugo. They bring in Tyler O'Neill. I think that in that process, I think they, they first of all, it's cheaper. Uh, O'Neill's on a cheaper deal. And I think second of all, I think O'Neill has a lot more upside. I think the last two seasons, he was just about an average hitter by WRC+. Plus. I mean, the average was pretty poor. Um, but he does walk a decent amount. Um, he just strikes out. A, uh, a a huge amount. I think if he just kind of focuses his his uh, I think if the Red Sox can kind of retool his focus into you know really using that green monster, hit a ton of doubles, um, have tons of home run pop. I think he has a really good chance to be uh, a special player for them in the coming seasons. Um, he walked over 10% of the time last year. I think that's impressive. If he can just manage to kind of lift that ball and, and he hits it hard and we know how strong he is. You just look at him. His biceps are bulging out of his jersey. But um, I think he has the capability to be um, an upgrade on, on Verdugo. Um, any thoughts on that or on the Red Sox? I mean, I know it's... It's definitely kind of a little bit of a question mark with what you're going to get from Tyler O'Neill. But um, did you like the move? Did you did you prefer Verdugo before? Yeah, like you mentioned, uh, with the size of his biceps, Alex, he should have fun uh, in in Fenway Park with that green monster. But yeah, I I just think that if if he could get back to that 2021 form, he could be just an outstanding addition to the Red Sox and uh, someone who's not going to be uh, uh, someone who breaks the bank for them. But um, you know, Verdugo, he he had some nice games in Boston, but I know he uh, I mean, man, Alex, that that Mookie Betts deal is just looking worse and worse right now. Right. You're I right. Mean, I mean, talk about the success and, and the Hall of Fame track that Mookie Betts is on. And and with Verdugo, uh, he's already playing for the uh, the rival uh, Yankees right now in pinstripe. But uh, I, I think uh, I think O'Neal, uh, it, it could be a good change for him. And uh, he already has shown so many good signs as being, you know, a. An athlete. I know he was a uh, a highly uh, a highly valued prospect uh, in the minors, and uh, he he did have some good some good games and some good uh, seasons for the Cardinals. But I think uh, with him moving on to Fenway Park, it's in uh, the Red Sox. It it, it definitely uh, 
it definitely could be a nice move for for both. There, there's still, um, I should say, there's not really too much risk. There's almost just it's almost more reward for what the two can uh, can get out of one another. So I uh, I, I like the move. I, I think it's something that the Red Sox are um, hoping to build off of. I, I again they've I think they've been pretty quiet so far this this off season. So I don't know what they need to do elsewhere to uh, to to make this team more competitive than they were last year. I think they were the not mistaken alex they were the fourth place team i think they were yes because the uh o's and the rays and the blue jays all got to the, to the playoffs but i think the red sox I, I, they have a lot of work to do i don't know if they just kind of want to take it easy and and kind of sh- do a short rebuild but um i think it could be a good move for for both sides uh but it, it, very under the radar yeah you, you make a good point about you know not really we'll have to kind of just wait and see what the red sox plan here is but i do think with the removal of heim bloom and kind of focusing more um on kind of they're making some low-key deals right like losing verdugo gaining tyler o'neill um just kind of you know letting kike uh go in the last at the end of last season i think that there's just lots of interesting um moves they're making and i think that they have a good idea what they want their future to kind of look like um I think they're just not going to be one of these high spending teams. I think we've, we've learned that over the last couple of seasons, they're not going to be one of these big spenders, but they're going to try to be smart and uh, put together a roster that can compete in that really tough division. But um, Travis, where should we go next? We have here. I was going to actually ask you a question. I, go I ahead. You know, we talked about the Giants uh, missing out on Shohei and, you know, what they're doing now to fill the void. One team one of the, the one team that was linked to Shohei for a really long time was the Toronto Blue Jays. W- what do you do if you're Toronto right now? What what are the moves you make? You missed out on the big lefty DH. Do you uh, go out there and sign uh, Cody Bellinger to a, a massive deal and let him play center field, let him DH? Um, what what are the moves you make in Toronto right now? I, I'll tell you the first move they make, never let Drake wear a uh, jersey ever again because he – he basically just it's cursed a curse. that move right there. It, it's yeah. a, I mean, the Drake curse lives on. 2019 uh, Raptors, that was a fluke. Um, KD got hurt. Every other time Drake has supported anyone or <laughs> worn any jersey or been to any team sideline, they always uh, end up crashing and burning. But I, I, you're right about the, the jersey thing. I, I, I like to poke fun at Drake because he just seems like a, an odd guy. But um, Travis, I think that there's a handful of directions they can go. Looking at the free agents still available, obviously there's going to be some potential trade opportunity. But assuming they're going to go the path of free agency, because obviously they have money to spend if they were going to be so uh, in on the Otani race. They thought they, they thought they had them in some regards, at least the fans thought they had them. Um, just looking at, you know, what can they do here with the remaining guys on uh, free agency? Um, the first name that kind of comes to my mind, Travis, I'm not sure how much Toronto fans will love it, but I think Cody Bellinger could be a fit in the outfield. I think that... Um, the left-handed bat, you know, you're not getting Shohei Otani when you sign Cody Bellinger, but you're getting a left-handed bat that can be in the middle of the order that can provide some protection. He's going to be a plus in the outfield. Kiermaier is a free agent, and if you're not able to keep him or if you're not interested in keeping him at whatever that price might cost, maybe you say Cody Bellinger can play not Kiermaier-level defense, but whatever the next best thing is, yes. he's going to be right in that conversation. And, you know, the bat could be average. The bat could be slightly below average, but the bat also could be all-star level. It just kind of depends. We know that with Bellinger, there's this kind of wide variety of outcomes. But if you give him a, a, a few years 
on a contract. Not sure exactly how much um, will be offered to, to Cody now that the market is kind of slimming for him. I do think that there's a chance that a team can get away with paying him a bit less than maybe previously <clears throat> thought. I think when the Yankees were in the mix, um, there was maybe a better chance that he got uh, a bigger a bigger deal. But I think that now maybe the Jays can sneak in and try to add him to their outfield mix. Um, I think also they should add a starting pitcher. Um, I'm not exactly sure who that guy could end up being, but there's a lot of guys who are still available. Obviously, Snell is the name that we're all kind of waiting. I haven't heard that much uh, in terms of Snell news at all, honestly. I've heard a couple whispers about who he might be linked to, but nothing real substantial um, that, that I've heard at least. Um, there's other guys that um, could be somewhat interesting, but not moving the needle a ton. Uh, maybe a guy like Montgomery could be fun for them. Um, I, I feel like they also could go the path of adding some depth arms as opposed to just like one big splashy guy. Maybe they try to add someone like an Alex Wood or Sean Manea or, or guys who are free agents at the moment. But um, I do think that they are probably in the big fish, big spending market just because they were so in on Otani. They don't want to let that money uh, go to waste. So I'm interested to see if they could land a guy like Snell um, or a guy like Bellinger, one of these big ticket guys. Uh, I, 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 do, do you kind of see a similar path forward for them? Yeah, I, I think that uh, with the way the f- season finished last year, um, they're going to have to make one of these big splash moves to show the fan base and uh, show the rest of the league that they are serious and uh, taking taking you know the steps to put a winning ball club on the field in later on towards the postseason. But yeah, I, I think that that would be a smart move to do right now, um, and and to fill that void, and that would just you know deepen that lineup even more with already a, a, a such dangerous lineup they already have. So, um, I think that's something that that definitely should be uh, should be considered for their from off for an office. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling up the starting pitchers that are still available on free agency, um, <laughs> and the guys who haven't signed yet. And let me see here. So yeah, like the, the if you're looking at like the next. Uh, guys who are still free agents on this spot track thing is throwing me off. Yeah, like Stroman is a guy who I'm not sure they would go back to Stroman. They've had him before, but he's definitely someone who's toward the top of the list once you get below Snell in terms of, uh, you know, who actually can garner a big sum of money. Um, I guess I guess Hyunjin Ryu is a free agent. I, did, I wasn't aware of that. I'm not sure what kind of money he'll get on the on the open market here. But, um, yeah, there's going to be some interesting ones, Travis, for sure, in the pitching market. Um, there's a, a couple guys, Travis. I'll just, I'll just throw uh, you know, a few names here at you, and I just want to hear a couple a couple of things that make sense to you. Um, potential suitors, teams that would be a good fit. So we'll start off with, with Bellinger, who, who I already kind of said might make sense with the Blue Jays. Um, where do you think makes sense for Bellinger to land? Um, he was kind of linked to the Yankees. They already went and got Grisham as well as Soto, so that almost makes no sense at all anymore. The Giants went and got um, Lee from the Korean League, so the suitors might be waning for Bellinger. Where do you think he ends up? I think it, it's I think it's two teams right now, and I think it's the Cubs, and I think it's the um, I think the Blue Jays. I, I just think that both those teams have such a need for him. The Cubs, if they lose Bellinger, they're almost going backwards from what they did last year. And they were a team that was, uh, you know, basically almost in uh, in the playoffs. And so I think that both those teams really need him. And the uh, 
just the production he's going to bring. And so I I feel like those are just the two teams I could really narrow down. I mean, there are other teams that do need offensive weapons. You know, every year we always talk about the Brewers. If the, if the Brewers want to be aggressive, they can go out there and get a guy like Bellinger. If um, uh, I'm trying to think of other teams that might want to be aggressive as well. But I, I mean, I know a team that wants to be silly and stupid. I think. You know, not that Bellinger's a stupid player to go get, but I could see the Rock. I've seen a lot of funny jokes oh, about the Rockies yes, yes. going to get him. Just the way they offered a Chris, Chris Bryant Bellinger, yeah, that'd be good. They, they offered Chris Bryant that really long, um, expensive deal kind of out of nowhere. And it's like, are you guys really going to try to compete? No, they just want to kind of sell jerseys. And so maybe Bellinger, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not sure Bellinger's mindset, how much he cares about uh, competing, how much he cares about the money, how much he cares about the number of years in the deal. But if he wants years and money, the Rockies could be one of the best fits if they have the money to spend just because um, other teams that are competing might feel like it's a risk they don't want to take. But the Rockies say, hey, we're okay with taking risks because we don't really intend on winning. But um, another name to throw at you, Travis, um, a, a guy that has not signed yet, uh, Matt Chapman. I have not even heard that much about where he might even be leaning or who's yeah. actually in on him. I've just heard almost nothing about him back to Toronto. So pick a different team. Who who do you think it might make sense, mm-hmm. might have a hole at third base, or um, just might want to add a bat to the middle of the order? Yeah, God, that's a... And I am, and and just for the listeners to know at home, I am. I did not prep Charles on this. I am. I am throwing these at him blind. I mean, like, I know Seattle lost. Uh, they lost and, uh, Suarez. Suarez. Right? So I mean, could that be a guy they go out there and get? And he could really bring. And and I think Crawford is. You know, I, I think from the last I've I've seen Crawford really had a good year this year. Yeah. Uh, but his defense has really stepped it up, hasn't it? Yeah, I think overall he's 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 uh become a much more valuable player. Um, I think last year, Suarez, he had a really solid glove in terms of not making very many errors, but Chapman would be such a step up in the range and the athleticism. And I think Chapman and Crawford would be uh, would be a very good defensive left side that uh, would would be very nice for Seattle and, and, and bringing that offense as well. So that that could be a piece I could see as well. I mean, looking elsewhere, I mean, I, I there are probably teams I'm just not thinking about, but Basically, if you're needing a guy that's, you know, you're not you're not depending on him 100 percent on the offense. He does have short spurts of very good offensive performances. Last year, we saw it in the first month and. Um, and uh, th- sometime and, and throughout the season, it was it was on and off. But uh, that first month, Alex, I mean, I think his OPS was like above like a twelve hundred or something like that. It was, it was really good. It was unbelievable. But, you know, someone a team that will need him is a team that's going to need to uh, really straighten up their infield defense because of course Chapman's going to bring such great defense uh in the infield at third base but that's where I kind of can see a team needing him but I not not too many teams right now that I'm trying to maybe I'm thinking about that are going to be truly you know competitive that are going to need that third baseman uh in their infield I, I'm trying to think to the twins even have a third baseman right now I, they probably do i just don't uh, even think about it uh, i i wonder i'm not sure where the twins intend to use uh royce uh Lewis, I, is that right? Yes, yes, yeah. correct. I, I yeah. think I, I did see somewhere had him as like potentially playing third base for them next year. I know he was a DH in uh, in the playoffs last year for them, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think Chapman's a guy who 
you know, we'll see these guys, we'll see their markets kind of flesh out now that the Otani deal is done and finalized. But <laughs> but looking at um other another team that I think will might go after one of these bats, whether it be Chapman, whether it be Bellinger, it might not even be that big of a name, but they're gonna add somebody, is I think the Marlins, just because they have been kind of chasing bats for a while, I feel like, and they are losing Solaire. Assuming Solaire does take a deal with someone else, he did opt out. So I think they're going to look to fill that void offensively. I'm interested to see who that might be. I don't expect them to spend a ton of money given the departure of Kim Ang. Uh, it seemed like a shift in the organization potentially. So we'll see what comes of that. But um, do, yeah, do you do also see the Yankees making a move for Chapman? I mean, I mean, I, they last. I think they have DJ LeMahieu labeled as their third baseman but i know they have tons of young guys that maybe they don't want to commit to a chapman deal for their infield because they could be using all these guys all over the infield in the future but you know looking at them right now um it, they do have right now projecting uh just as a default but they do have uh dj lemay who has their, has their starting third baseman which right chapman would be a nice uh upgrade from uh from dj yeah looking at the depth charts on fangrass for the yankees third base it does say dj lemay mm-hmm. expected to get a bulk of the playing time maybe some oswald peraza as well just because if if the yankees hold on to glaber torres as the second baseman every day then that really just kind of forces uh and you're assuming volpe the everyday shortstop because of that defense he provides you hope the bat comes along as well that really forces uh oswald peraza over to third base um and then so yeah that that might be that might be the weak spot of the infield for them and it might be the weak spot um on the diamond for them because you you like um trevino as your catcher because he has that defensive component and they also have austin wells as an up-and-coming uh stud prospect for them i think rizzo's due for a bounce back and so you're really like you said you're kind of looking at third base so that's a, that's a fun thought to think about i'm not sure how much money they are going to invest in in a guy right now just given the fact that they are going to try to agree to a soto extension so probably don't want to tie up too much money but looking at the outfield i think with verdugo soto judge grisham um, as your kind of four outfielders. And then uh, Jason Dominguez, when he comes back from injury, also a guy who you probably are going to see this season. Um, Ever uh, Everson Pereira, also a guy who uh, looked pretty good last year in the minors and got called up at the very end of the season. Um, I'm just listing off guys now, but I'm just basically saying uh, they have guys almost everywhere that I, I feel pretty good about except for third base. And that comes down to what you think of LeMahieu. But um, I, I do think that's a fun thought to to bring up there. Um, a, a, a deal that did get done, Travis, we didn't talk about it, is uh, Erod going to the Diamondbacks. Um, not much to say about it besides the fact that I do think a front three of um, Gallon, Rodriguez, and Kelly is a pretty good spot to be in the National League at the moment. It's uh, It was a weakness of theirs in my mind in the playoffs. As good as Brandon Fatt was in the playoffs to have him as your number three starter, a, ro- good, a, ro- yeah. a rookie, <laughs> a rookie who had a poor regular season. Um, I'll just put it this way. His hot streak in the playoffs is what allowed them to get to that world series. Um, Cause they really lacked that depth in that position. Um, and, and they may do without it. But I think for the 2024 regular season, if you want to be a real threat, if you want to be a playoff team that, didn't kind of get there by luck because of your negative run differential, but 84, 85 wins or whatever it was. I think adding that starting pitcher um, to give more depth in that position is a good move. Um, 
I'm looking at the other deals, <laughs> Travis. Not a whole lot else to talk about. Jorge Lopez to the Mets. He was someone who had a pretty poor year last year. Um, I'm trying to look at the other uh, available free agents and trying to figure out where they might land. Um, yeah, I heard that Granky actually wants to stay in the big leagues, which is a little bit surprising to me. Wondering what team will try to go and get a guy like him. But yeah, I think of available available arms, the last guy who I think is high impact that we haven't mentioned is Kershaw. Are you of the opinion it's Dodgers or bust with him? Do you think he could go to Texas? And is there any other... I'm not asking you to guess what team he goes to, but um, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, a team that picks up Kershaw is someone who's going to have to be comfortable with him not pitching at all in the first half. And, you know, he still has to do a lot of uh, rehab uh, to to fix his injury. And so I think that someone who gets him has to be saying, you know what, he is he's only going to be someone to compliment our our already strong starting pitching. So, you know, the teams out there that already have a pretty deep uh, staff. Kershaw would be a great ad because you could probably get him on a pretty good deal, you know, something maybe less than $10 million for one single season. And uh, you could probably say, you know what, we, uh, we, we, we don't, we don't have to rely on this guy. He's going to come back in July or August. You know, we could definitely take our time and he could be a great guy to come into the organization or organization down the stretch and, you know, pitch his pitch his tail off into the postseason and, and and really be a helpful hand in us and maybe in the postseason he could be our top two or top three starter and beginning of the year he wasn't even in the rotation so i think uh i think a team that makes the decision on him already has to have a very strong rotation already and and, and guys that they rely on so uh but again he's a guy that i always i'm always thinking about as you know do the dodgers go back and give him uh you know, a contract because what's funny is, you know, you're not having Shohei pitch this year at all. And then if you sign Kershaw, you know, he's not pitching for, uh, till the second half. So it's almost like you have two starting pitchers that are not pitching this year, but it, it but you know, they're, they're, they're still getting paid money, <laughs> but I know Shohei's getting paid money for different reasons. He's going to be a fantastic DH, but it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a situation that I think a team will have to really, uh, think about and you know what maybe a team like texas with the rangers that'd be pretty cool if they were to sign kershaw and say hey we're gonna have you and Degrom come back almost the same time and then this rotation is only going to be better and we already have a great offense so i think a team like texas could could make some it, it could be fun to at least see them get some of these guys that they invested in and then have them come back for a second half and that could be, you know, imagine seeing a DeGrom Kershaw duo in the playoffs for Texas next year or something like that with, you know, Evaldi just pitching, pitching third in the rotation. But we all know how good Evaldi is. So it's uh, it, it's definitely something that I I would uh, I'd keep an eye on if, if you are a team that already has a distinguished uh, starting staff. I'm just looking at some Kershaw stuff, Travis, and <coughs> it, it's a it's it makes me a bit sad because um, he is someone who will go down in the history books as one of the best starting pitchers. In the sports history, last year a two point four six ERA, in twenty four starts, <laughs> be, be, better than his his career ERA, which obviously part of that yeah, has to do with yeah. the the ball and the environment and stuff. But he is someone who struck out over one guy per inning. He had an elite ERA. He had almost a four WAR on Baseball Reference. Uh, he's he's going to be thirty six uh, in March, so for next season he'll be thirty six. Verlander's up there at forty. You know, I mean. 
Obviously, the injuries affect people differently, and Kershaw's had his fair share of the last few years. The back is something that always kind of comes up late in the season for him, it feels like. But it's unfortunate to me that we are not really... People kind of always talk about like, oh, only one year deals with Kershaw. Can't really trust his uh, longevity at this point. He's pitched so many innings, which he has. Yeah. Um, but it's just sad that we're not really... You know, he's not being put in this conversation like Scherzer was a couple years ago when he did that Mets deal for like three years and like a really high salary. I feel like yes. Kershaw is worth that money if you just knew he'd be healthy. And so to me, it's it's unfortunate that we're not really seeing him in those types of conversations. It's always like, is any team going to want Kershaw? And yeah. People who say that, I'm like, have you looked at his numbers? Like, yeah, you're not going to get 200 innings from him, but you're going to get a guy who is incredibly effective when yeah. he is out there. And, and I will say every single season, Alex, since 2021, he has gotten a one-year deal you know 2022 i think it was a one-year like 20 or 20 mil 21 million dollar deal with the dodgers and then the next year a one-year deal with the dodgers 20 21 million dollars and man i just thought like man if, if you were an, if i you know, as an angels fan i mean imagine having a guy who in back-to-back -back seasons had eras below a 2.5 i mean i mean we'd be we would just be ecstatic and just be like wow like you know what screw the innings pitch like yeah we want depth but if you were i mean you were 100 percent worth the money and, and if, if you yeah. look at both I mean, those it was seasons, like it was like it was like 20 mil last year it's like you look at both those me. seasons he 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 made a combined you know roughly in two years he made roughly almost like 40 for 42 million dollars again I, I don't know exactly what the aav was but um I mean, you look at those numbers. I mean, he he easily could have gotten like a two-year, $60 million deal with the way he pitched the last two seasons. So, again, I am 100% in the same boat as you. Uh, he is a guy that is just has been completely forgotten, which is, it is sad because he is still a very effective pitcher. you got guys that sign, you know, mass deals as, uh, as starting pitchers, and then they go out there and just are absolutely – not the person that they signed and 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 Scherzer is one of them I th I forget what his ERA was to start the um to start last season with the Mets I think it was near a four or something like that and so uh, it's a it's a deal it's it's you know a team will have to maybe make a just a one-year offer for him to see what he can bring in the second half but again I think if we're in the same boat next year and he's healthy almost every MLB team should be looking at him and saying yeah why not like go out there and get this guy because he's still proving to pitch uh under his career ERA, which Alex, I mean that that his career career ERA is already unbelievable. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's truly insane. So it, it's it, he's he's a guy that's still pitching so effective, and he's getting later and later in his career. And yeah, it's sad that he's getting closer to forty, and that's going to give a lot of teams the uh, the fear to sign him to a two or three year deal. But it's just funny that the last two seasons he's on these one year deals, and he's pitching like like he like the, like the best he's ever pitched in in a. Uh, in a season so it's it's again it, it's it's it sucks and then a, a quick a quick thought experiment angels signed tyler anderson to i believe it was three years 15 million annually uh last off season if i'm not mistaken i think it was that i think it was three thirty three for 39 oh so 13 million 13 a year 13 million, yeah okay yeah. so um here's a question for you would you sign kershaw to that deal right now if you're the angels i would but I'm doing it immediately just because in my mind, I don't see a world where yeah. I, I don't see a world where Tyler Anderson is more valuable than Kershaw yeah, true, true. and we gave it to Tyler Anderson. I, I guess you can say, you know, hey, would you, you know, one, one thing that does suck is you're not going to see him for the first couple couple months. But 
hey, if if we see Tyler Anderson for the first three months and he's awful, that's basically being worse than non-existent. You know, it's just sure. like I'd rather have a guy that's not even doesn't even exist or doesn't even play. And we're paying him the money then, you know, we're paying Tyler Anderson and he's just absolutely crapping the bed. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely see that Alex and you know, it, you're right. It, it, it should be a no brainer that a team would just say, Hey, 50 million, three years, 50 million. Here you go, man. Cause I mean, we know we're going to get amazing, amazing numbers from you. It's just it, when he is on he, the mound, yeah. He, even his worst year, 2021, it's like a 3.55 ERA. That's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, you're, you're going to give your team so many opportunities to win the ball game that it's like, you know what? That's 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 perfectly fine. I I, I could live with that. I mean, we're not going to get the 1.77 or the 1.69 Clayton Kershaw that's got in the past. But, you know, these numbers he's given us this year are, are in the last couple of years are just they're they're unbelievable as well. The last thing we'll close on here, Travis, before we wrap up the episode is MLB official accounts they all posted i assume it's uh from mlb.com writers created this list it's basically a they made a top 10 uh trios so i think it was they weren't looking at uh pitchers at all because i think that would probably change my list a lot from what they had but um just looking at their uh list here so they have their top 10 teams in baseball for just looking at their team's best three players and i just wanted to kind of read it off and see if you had any big disagreements um just wanted to kind of just share our thoughts nothing crazy here but the best trio in baseball which obviously this is the reason that sparked the idea for them was Betts, freeman otani i think that has to be the consensus uh first pick uh number two for them is acuna olsen and riley I will say that um, given Otani's lack of pitching this coming season, like there is a chance that that uh, trio can compete um, like war-wise with that top trio. Um, and then after that, it goes to the Astros, Altuve, Jordan, and Tucker. Then the Yankees uh, in with Judge, Juan Soto, and then they go to Gleyber Torres as the third guy Very in that weird. trio. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know who they would go instead. Uh, that's why I wish I almost wish they included pitchers so I could see Cole there, and that would be a much better like war for the for the trio. Number five, you have Adolis Garcia, Corey Seager, Marcus Semien. That's quite good. Harper, Schwarber, and Trey Turner with the Phillies is number six. Number seven, Xander Bogarts, Manny Machado, and Fernando Tatis Jr. from the Padres. Number eight. It's the Rays, and the Rays is funny because it's like, I don't know who you're going to pick, but they're going to be three good players because they just have all these guys who are B-plus. You have Randy Rosarena, Yandy Diaz, and Isaac Paredes. Number nine, they go to the Arizona Diamondbacks, Corbin Carroll, uh, Cattell Marte, and Christian Walker. And number 10, they go to the Baltimore Orioles with Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rushman, and Anthony Santander. Travis, any big disagreements, anything stand out to you at all with that list? Just uh, where's Trout, Neto, and Moniak, you know? <laughs> I, I had the same thought. I, I think um, I want to know where Trout, uh, Jose Suarez, and... Uh, you know, this list actually I surprisingly, you know, don't have too many flaws with or too many disagreements. I mean, maybe I would put, you know, the Arizona Diamondbacks ahead of the Rays probably just because I think Rosarena, Diaz, and Paredes are, are good players, but I think Corbin Carroll um, is is better than all three of those guys, and I think that uh walker and paredes could uh very well be uh be be, be it could be a wash very, very similar players and then Marte and diaz you know Marte has had some just outstanding moments in his career and seasons and that 
Um, you know, Diaz had an excellent season last year, but I think Marte is still a uh, a top performing uh, baseball player, and he, his versatility is so valuable, which I really like. Also, with Diaz, Diaz can play a lot of different spots, but I think both those guys can almost wash out as well. So maybe I'd move that team up, but everything else, I I really don't have too much of an issue with. I mean, again, you could get mad about you know, hey, you know, Seager and, and Simeon, those are the, those are, that, that's probably the best duo in, you know, baseball right now. Those are the two best, you know, hottest hitters. And we saw them in the playoffs. We saw them throughout the season. Why aren't they higher? Um, but yeah, I, again, I, I don't, I don't see a flaw or, or, or a hole of, of, uh, uh, from these teams right now. So I, again, I, I, kudos to MLB. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Good deal. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like Bogarts, Machado, Tatis could be higher, but I don't really feel confident about saying where they should land just because Tatis Jr. has a bit of a question mark until we see him have like a really complete season. Obviously, Machado was a bit down. They all had down years last year, which is going to hurt them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I I think I understand um, in terms of, you know, not going to knock the MLB writers on this one too hard. But yeah, just looking at the list, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like I said, it'd be fun to do one with pitchers. I'd like to see sub out uh, Torres for Cole. for yeah. Garrett Cole. I think you could also, um, you know, I think Schwarber, as as much as I love him as a hitter, I think he had like a one war or something last <laughs> year. I think you could probably sub in Wheeler or Nola and and increase that team or that trio war right there. Um, he had like the great. He had like the greatest season ever. It was like a one war. 40 plus homers and like an average of below 200. It was just like, this yeah, is like, the most, this is like the most absurd like season for like the last hundred years. I think it was, it was a, it was a 0.6 war, a one ninety seven average 47 home runs. It's like, that's pretty awesome. I mean, as, as, a, as, as just a, a, a big, a huge baseball fan, it's just like those marks are just pretty funny because he, he was, I'm not going to say he wasn't valuable. His defense was, is not good, but it is, a crazy hitting performance with 47 bombs and you're, and you're batting under 200. I mean, it's totally Joey Gallo. Like, yeah, it is. And it's funny. He gets a 19th and MVP voting <laughs> yeah, with, with, yes. a, with a point, a point six baseball reference war. And, um, a big factor of that, like you just mentioned was the defense and how much of a minus he was out there. He, um, by fan graphs, sorry, by a uh, baseball reference, the defensive war on him, um, is listed as a negative, 2.9 and let me just pull up like a let me just pull up like a who's a an everyday dh i'm gonna pull up jd martinez yeah. and see what um the the defensive value there is they have him as a negative one so like literally schwarber's defense is like worse like he's getting more dinged for how bad his defense is than if you just dh like, yes, bro yes i mean obviously harper was hurt for some time so he had to dh and stuff but it's just funny how like you literally have a guy who's playing defense so badly that he just needs a DH. Like, but you, why, and, and and who is playing first base? Because why did they just put him at first? Uh, I, I I did hear um, him he say first for the Red Sox. And- he he did, and I liked the fit um, with the Red Sox um, and how he performed that postseason. Obviously, was a great hitter. And and remember, he was a catcher. He was a catcher <laughs> back when he came up. But greatest um, catcher ever, ever born. Yeah, but. Yeah. The, the, I I did read um, with the Phillies, he does not want to be a first baseman. He didn't mm. feel comfortable when he's playing first base with the Red Sox. He felt um, like he didn't want to have to learn this whole new thing. So, you know, all that all that is just to say 
left field it's not working yeah the the defensive value is such a huge negative but uh that's a long rant on Schwarberg just to say that i feel like if they added uh nola or wheeler to like this top trios it could have been um a little bit better of a trio um and, and then and, and alex i mean you look at the last two seasons as a philly you know how many how many phillies or how many guys can say yeah the first two seasons of my uh of my tenure with this team, I have 90 plus home runs. I mean, he's, he's averaging almost 46 home runs a season with the Phillies right now. So it's, it is truly remarkable. And, 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 you know, the averages are going to be a sore, a sore spot, but I think the fans don't really care. They're saying, you know what, if you're hitting 40 plus home runs for me, man, I, I could care less if you're batting 200 or, or 250 it's it doesn't matter you're, you're you're doing the the job that you were signed to do and that is hit the ball out of the ballpark and when he gets on a hot streak it's 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 like very bonds it, it, it is really crazy last um, postseason 2022 world series alex i just feel like i i every time he came to the plate i just had never felt like i never felt like that before where i'm like this, this danger mode this, this guy is just it's almost it's just he's playing wiffle ball it's just he's literally playing Wiffle ball. He is the he is the thirty eight year old dad playing wiffle ball with the with the eight year old boys, and he's got eight beers in him, and he's you know just it's like that meme that they 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 show with just the Daniel Murphy meme where you know you're just you're just out there playing wiffle ball with the boys, and th- that, was, that was that was Schwarber in the in the, se- in the play, postseason. It was it was unbelievable. If I had to invest in these trios as stocks, Travis, I would say switch out Santander with Jackson Holiday and in 2025 that Henderson Rushman <coughs> Holiday trio is going to be top 2 top 3 in baseball. Um Travis, I don't have much else to add this episode. That's pretty much everything. I mean a good a good uh, amount of stuff to cover there and I'm hoping Travis for a lot more hopefully breaking news over the course of the next week. Um I think that you know we're I mean we're still yet to get the all MLB team. Am I right in that? We haven't seen that yet, right? We haven't seen that. And Alex, I, I mean, it's, it's it was almost off your radar. It's weird that we're that baseball still hasn't even given that because I feel like no one really cares now. You know, it's like right. you, you had the magic. You should, you should release that at the end of the regular season. I mean, that should be just kind of like your okay. Here's the team. Now we get the postseason started. You know, we could do something like that, but they always wait till after the postseason. They used to do it. Um, the first week, like after the World Series, and then of course they would include include guys that were postseason heroes into that list, like 2021. And uh, you know, I love Austin Riley, but come on, you you were not the best third baseman in 2021. There were many other guys uh, before you, but it, it's it's weird now that we're going to get into this. And I think they were looking at yeah, like mid December, and we are pretty much into mid December as to when they were going to releasing their all uh, MLB teams, which it it just seems like a weird time to do it because we're so invested invested in the free agency market and the trades that are going to be um that could be happening down the stretch yeah so um in the, in the coming episodes travis we will cover any updates on hopefully i think hopefully by next episode we'll have that on mlb team i can't imagine yeah, them yeah. going into late december with that but um we will we will, we will come back at, with you f- uh with another episode on any new transactions I, there are big trades that we didn't get to this episode that are kind of just whispers you know potentially glass now on the market i mean different starting pitchers throughout the league um kind of being floated as available so i'm excited to see what happens um you know as december as uh you know the winter meetings are done but the hot stove kind of rolls on i think we're about to kind of hit up up a peak signing period over the next couple of weeks where 
players want to know where they're going to be before the new year comes around. So we'll see where these signings end up happening. But that's all for this one. If you made it this far, we appreciate you so much. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>